This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, Garrett May, professional golfer on the PGA Latino America Tour, sits down for a chat with the guys. Guess who covers Tom Brady's Super Bowl teammates? Q&A surrounds our favorite Tom Brady moments and what is more important, an elite quarterback in the NFL or a superstar in the NBA? This week in sports covers another wild week from the football world with Brady's retirement, the Washington Commander's name announcement, the Jim Harbaugh saga with Minnesota, and the NFC-AFC championship games. to the Dylan and Dylan show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports on this Friday, February 4th edition of the podcast. Dylan Jesperson here with me as always is Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? I am cold. Just like the rest of America, I am snowed in, iced in, however you want to describe it. It's a cold day for all of us. That's okay. Get to sit inside and talk some sports. It's been a heck of a week for me. I made my return to Murray State last weekend to watch Murray State take on Moorhead in a big-time OVC battle. Uh, I kind of felt like if you've ever seen the videos of Dwayne Johnson, wherever he makes his return to the WWE, he'll stand in the ring, and he's like, finally, The Rock has come home. And that's kind of how I felt when I got back to Murray State last week, got to watch the Racers take on the Eagles from Moorhead State. Uh, Murray's legit. And if you're not paying attention to Murray State, you need to, because that team is really good at basketball. Uh, they're starting to get more respect in the AP poll. They got 42 votes this past week, which they definitely deserve. Um, Murray's, they're on the cusp of a really special season. It's a lot of fun to get to watch them. Uh, I've got my tickets booked for the OVC uh, tournament. I'm definitely going to be there in Evansville. Cannot wait for that. Um, but yeah, it was really, really fun being back in the bank last Saturday. Murray State, our Murray State's on the roll. I said that. But the Grizzlies are also on a roll. They they lost a tough overtime game on Monday to Tyrese Maxey and the Sixers. Then they bounced back on Wednesday. And John Morant and the boys were saying bing bong all night in New York as they beat the Knicks. It was a really fun game uh, to watch on ESPN. The, the Grizzlies have felt disrespected all year, which is unfair, because they're the best team in the NBA since December when Ja came back. And people need to know that. Um, but yeah, even though I'm cold, doing good, my teams are playing good basketball, which I love. And there's a whole lot of football stuff going on that we're going to get into. Yep. Uh, a lot of stuff to get into. Obviously, uh, if you've listened to the show the past few weeks, I've been like hinting at the hardball rumors, uh, the hardball to the NFL rumors. We're going to get into that later in the show, but finally uh, got that figured out last night. And I, it was Wednesday, if you're listening to this, but it was last night when we were recording this and we finally got that figured out. And I could not be happier uh, that we did not lose our head coach because at about 6.59 last night, I I was already, you know, on my head coaching search looking for it. And then about at 7.01, we were not anymore. So it felt pretty good. Uh, but we're I'm excited, just as you are, to get into the show. We've got a lot of fun stuff to get into. Uh, right away, we've got another interview this week. Garrett May, professional golfer on the PGA Tour Latin America Tour, was kind enough to join us for a conversation. And we'll cut quickly for that. 
right, everyone. We have another special interview this week. We have Garrett May, professional golfer on the PGA Tour Latino America. Garrett, how are you doing today? Great, guys. How are y'all? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good, and I'm really excited to have you. Dylan, how are you doing? I mean, I've been better. I'm, like, iced into my house, not snowed in. It's just ice. So that's, I mean, not great, but, I mean, I can't complain. I've been worse. Yeah, the weather is affecting all three of us in different ways. Garrett uh, having to take a break from his golf down in Dallas. Uh, Dylan snowed in in Kentucky, and then I've got seven or eight inches to deal with here in Michigan. So it's the the snow has gotten to all of us, but it's letting us sit down with Garrett, and we're happy to have him uh, join us today. Uh, Garrett, for our listeners that aren't familiar with your background, just give them a little introduction of, of who you are and what you've done uh, to get to this point in your uh, career. Sure. Yeah. Well. Um... 24 years old, grew up in Hope, Arkansas, went to high school in Texarkana, Texas, um, you know, went, did that and then went to Baylor for two or four years, 2015 to 2019, uh, some best four years of my life, it was great, I had a great coach, um, yeah, short story, stayed amateur through the 2019 summer, turned pro in the fall, um, got Latin America status January of 2020, uh, I mean, the pandemic happened, kind of put a little kink in those plans, but you know, this is my second season on there, and uh, yeah, here we are. So I have a question about, you talked about where you grew up, where you went to high school and stuff. So I have a lot of family in Texas and Arkansas. I, when I was looking you up, I was like, hey, this is pretty neat. I, I can make some connections here. Yeah. So I have a lot of family from around the Little Rock area. Yeah, where is my, Hope? Okay, so Hope is uh, would be southwest of Little Rock. Okay, uh, okay. It's like probably 30 miles east of the Texas-Arkansas border. Because, you know, okay. Texarkana is on the Texas-Arkansas border. Yep. It's just like 30 minutes east. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, my family's like right around around the Stuttgart area. So, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm always down there duck hunting and stuff. Know the Arkansas sure. area pretty well. Uh, so, I say that to ask you, you consider yourself an Arkansas guy or are you like full force like you're Texas? This has been a point of contention for, for me because a lot of people have given me crap about it. I, I consider myself a full-fledged Texan only because um, I've played high school golf in Texas, and that's where I played college stuff. Basically, everything that I kind of did was in Texas. Um, you know, that's where I went to high school and stuff like that. So, for all intents and purposes, I'm a Texan. So, I relate to that on a smaller scale a lot because in high school, I moved uh, to a different town, not state. But I, I moved to Murray, Kentucky to play high school football. And then I went to college at Murray State. So I'm like, I'm a Murrayan. I, I, grew, I, I was in the same place as John Morant. That's my hometown. That's how I feel. It, I didn't move states, but I could fully, fully agree with that. High school, college, that's what I, where you kind of like discover yourself. So I, I kind of assumed that's what you would say. But I don't know. People from Arkansas, they're very loyal. They love the state. So I, I was curious about they that. Do. Yeah, they do. So going back to your, uh, your start in golf, uh, what kind of got you started into golf and when did you start to realize you kind of had a passion for it, or you, maybe you were a bit more talented and had a, had a future in, in golf. Right. I, so I grew up in Hope, Arkansas, which is a small town. We had a little public golf course there. Uh, my dad played, um, when I was probably five, six years old, I kind of got into it as like swinging the golf club around. And then, um, just going out with him. And then I don't know, I just kind of, it just kind of gradually progressed. I got better. And then I started liking it more and I started really enjoying getting better. If that makes sense. The, the more I practiced, the more I did it, the better I got and kind of was fun to me. And then, um, 
it just kind of went up from there. And then I kind of looked up and I was like 11, 12, 13 years old. I was like, dang, I'm good enough. I can play tournaments and stuff and started doing that. And it just kind of kept going. Speaking of someone who's played like not many rounds of golf, it, most of the time it was on a like Saturday in Murray, Kentucky, where yeah. fluids that weren't water were involved and we'd go out there and just have fun. Um, I could fully see where if you get better, it's a lot more fun. Oh, and yeah. since we're talking kind of the origins of you becoming a great golf player and where you started, were there any guys that you looked up to that were maybe pros, uh, pro golfers or, or different pro athletes? Yeah. Um, I would say starting off, uh, I would, I, I would always play with like my dad and his friends. And there was a couple of guys that were at the small golf course that were really good. Um, and I, I don't know, I kind of sort of looked up to them cause they were really good. And I was, you know, trying to beat them and play against them. I watched Tiger Woods, big Tiger Woods fan. Um, I like a lot of golfers really. I mean, I've got a lot of friends that are on the tour. Um, all those guys are just incredible. Um, just, I just really, I watched golf a lot. Uh, and I wouldn't say there was like one person I really looked up to. I just kind of looked up to, um, everyone that was really good at their sport, whether it be whatever sport it was. I really enjoy watching people there at the top of their game. I think everyone around our age is a fan of Tiger Woods. It's hard not to be. It's because really he, he was like, he's the best. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. he's our Mike. He's the Michael Jordan of golf for our generation. No doubt in my mind. Um, Going off of that, something that I'm very curious of as someone that as you're a pro, do you, when you look at guys in your sport that are at the top of their game, do you still look up to them, try to model your game after them? Like when I think of golf, I'm thinking like Brooks Kepka right now. Right. Are you looking at him and you're like, I want to be like Brooks? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. In, in a way. I mean, uh, everybody's different. You, you've got your own game, but I, I think you're, you would be, incredibly naive if you didn't look up to those guys you know it's impossible for me to look at somebody like Rory McIlroy who I've looked up to forever you know and every time he talks I listen because he's got so much good insights and um I really enjoy learning from those guys uh and so yeah I, I definitely look up to him I think you have to I think that's uh the natural uh way sports work like I know playing football I always like my dad made me watch Mean Joe Green highlights because he's such a big Steelers fan. I was playing defensive line. He's like, this is what you do. And like, as I was paying attention, I, was, I would watch Ndamukong Sue and guys like that when I was in high school. I, I just think that's what you do. It's the natural progression of how sports work. Well, it's, it's part of being like a student of the game, right? Like, even if I'm playing with Rory or Brooks or whatever and trying to beat them, I'm still trying to learn from them because right now they're obviously doing it better than I am and they've done it like at a very high level. And so you know, no matter what level you're at, you can always learn. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, you can learn. And it, that applies to all sports. You see it, which golf is more of an individual game, but you can see it a lot in team sports where you got a guy like Kyrie Irving played with LeBron, and you see how that elevated his game. So it makes yeah. so much sense that as, as in more of an individual sport, you can watch guys, learn from their game, take it and kind of steal it and make your own and become even better. Yeah, 100%. So you talked about your time at Baylor. Uh, I'm always interested in all of sports, uh, whether in all the different sports, what the recruiting process is like. So did you have a recruiting process and what was that like, uh, like getting your first, you know, offers and stuff and ended up deciding to go to Baylor? Yeah, no, I definitely had a recruiting process. It's a little bit different than um, football, basketball, stuff like that. Um, I wasn't really that highly recruited as a junior golfer. Um, 
in some respects, I wasn't really that good as far as like on a national scale. So when that happens, especially with golf, you almost kind of have to market yourself. You know, um, my parents and I got together almost put, a, put together a resume and sent it off to coaches. And then, you know, you just try to get in front of coaches, play in front of them, and then hopefully um, they see what they, you know, they see potential or something like that. And so that's kind of what I did. And I took a couple of visits before my senior year. Baylor was my last one. Um, and they offered me on the visit and I committed on the visit. I was like, I'd done all, I was basically going into my senior year. The clock was ticking down a little bit and I saw everything that I wanted in Baylor. And I was like, okay, I'm going here. Perfect. So when I did my research, when I found out we were interviewing you, I like, I saw these connections. I was like, Arkansas and Texas. And then the Baylor stuff, like I have, which is very weird being from West Kentucky. I know a plethora of people that went to Baylor. So I've always like in the back of my head, I've like always kind of rooted for Baylor. So sure. I want to know from someone just from an outside or from an inside perspective, what's Waco like, what's the university like all that. Just give me like your hmm. perspective. Okay. Waco. When I first got there in 2015 as a freshman, honestly, wasn't that good. Like it, it just really wasn't, but before I graduated in 2019, it had gotten miles better. I think Magnolia with Chip and Joanna Gaines really uh, helped it take off. There's a lot of trendier spots. The town got nicer or whatever, whatever it may be. But I, I found it way more enjoyable as I progressed. Um, Baylor was amazing. That campus, I don't know if you've ever been, but it is beautiful. I like, um, so it's pretty closed in. So you walk everywhere. There's not a lot of car traffic, which is great. And like the building stuff are just beautiful and, you know, it's not a huge campus. So I feel like you can walk, you know, corner to corner in about 12 minutes, uh, which is nice. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. So like, I know I've only seen pictures from like basketball games, football games, stuff like that. That's like when I've like been emerged with the campus is when I'm just tuning in, but mm -hmm. it always seems like a really cool place. And like, I know one of a guy I grew up with went there and I mean, just really went all in with the Baylor lifestyle. Like he did the, I don't know what it's called. You'll probably know. Uh, when the freshmen run out at the football oh, the game. Baylor line. Yeah, he did that. I mean, he was all about it. And I was like, that, that looks awesome. And then I'm sitting in Murray, Kentucky at Murray State. I'm, like, I'm kind of jealous. Like, that <laughs> That looks sick. Uh, but, of course, Murray got John Morant, and now I get to hang my hat on that for the rest of the time. Um, I say that to say this. Um, does Baylor or is Baylor the most slept-on athletic department in America? 100%. I think we're easy top five in the country through the board. I, I, don't I agree. I, really I, agree. I, a thousand percent. I was sitting here thinking about it and I was like, they're good at everything right now. Everything. Like everything. It's awesome. It, yeah. it reminds me of um, kind of like Louisville from probably a decade ago. Louisville just got good at everything. And it yeah. felt like they were still kind of disrespected, which is not fair. Like right. they, they won the national championship in basketball, just like you guys did. They were good in football and they were good at everything else. And it just still feels like, you guys aren't getting the respect you deserve, which is annoying. And I feel like we talked about you guys a lot in football season and we talked here and there in basketball, but not, not as much as we should have. I feel like. Well, it, it kind of comes with the territory of having a, uh, a small fan base like Baylor being a private you know, school. It just, you're not going to have that reach that um, a quote unquote blue blood would have. So whatever, but yeah, I, I think we're just sneaky top five in the country. And to go off that, is it the best school in Texas? Oh, yeah, 100%. Not, not even close. I agree. Since uh, I'm an SEC guy, I've been a Tennessee fan my entire life. With Texas and Oklahoma coming in, I'm like, 
who cares? Right. Like Texas, like is nowhere near the top of the state anymore. Like very clearly. I mean, they might get there. I don't think they will. And it feels like people are freaking out because the Big 12 is losing those two. I don't know why. I think Baylor can slide right in. Oklahoma State stepped up a ton. Getting Cincinnati, getting Houston. I don't know. I think it's going to be A-OK. I think we did a great job of, uh, number one, finally extending it back to 12 teams. You know, it was the unofficial Big Ten there for a while because we only had 10 teams. So you lost Texas, Oklahoma, but you you gained Cincinnati, great in football. Uh, They're actually a really good athletic program, actually. You got UCF. Uh, very good. Uh, Houston is on the rise. They're very good. And then uh, oh, BYU, another great athletic program all around. So I think those four collectively are going to pick up the slack for Texas and OU. Uh, and it's, I think we're just going to be stronger almost. Did you ever cross any of those schools uh, in like golf tournaments in your oh, career? Yeah. Baylor? yeah. yeah. Were, are any of them like standouts additions to the Big 12? Um when I was there, BYU had a solid team. There was a guy named uh, Peter Quest uh, who was extremely good. I don't know what he's doing now. I can't remember. He might be on Corn Ferry, um, but he was very good. Cincinnati, I have a really good friend who went there who uh, is on Corn Ferry now. He was on Latin with me last year named Austin Squires. They didn't have a great team, but he was very good. And so I consider them a decent team. I don't know much about UCF and then Houston. Um, Houston has a pretty solid golf team too, so. I don't know like who UCF's coach is or anything, but it feels like UCF would be like a slam dunk golf school. Like being in Orlando, it feels like it would be very easy to recruit Orlando. I don't know if you've ever been to Orlando. Orlando's a really cool place. I feel like you could get people to come down there, play golf. I don't know. That seems like a slam dunk. I might have to apply to become the head golf coach at UCF because I don't know a ton about the game, but it feels like you could just talk to like top prospects and be like, Hey, just come down to, to the warm weather. You don't have to deal with all the crap the three of us are dealing with right now with snow and ice and all that. Just play golf. Go to Disney World when you want to. Go watch the crappy Orlando Magic every night for like $2. Like, it seems like a nice deal to me. Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, so jumping off of that, uh, jumping up from D1 to, to amateur golf and then to professional golf, what was that jump like? I'm always interested to see what was it like to go from college golf to, you know, amateur golf and then professional golf? What was the, the jump in competition like there? The jump in competition wasn't as severe as what you would think, because I feel like Baylor had a really good schedule. Um, we always had like a, a top 15 schedule in the country, so we were playing against the best. And if you look on the tour, on every tour, basically, the top college players are having a lot of success in the in the pros. So you kind of look around, and you know, you're going to see these guys in the future. And um, but it, it, it pro golf to, to college golf is extremely different because now you're doing it for a living and it's all you. So everything, you know, every minute of the day is, is pretty much golf in some way. Um and it, I mean, it's, it's really fun, but it's also, it's different. It's a, it's a business. It's a job, you know, now instead of college, you, you, they're paying for everything, paying your flights, you know, hotels, stuff like that. Now that's all on you and there's different things to come with that, but it's fun. So on January 26th, the year of our Lord, 2022, you tweeted golf needs a standardized golf ball. Change my mind. What does that look like? What does a standardized golf ball in your mind look like? that's yeah that was a that was a spur of the moment tweet I was just thinking about so I, I kind of was going off just the uh, the distance argument that everybody's posing in golf um there's there's just a thousand ways to go about that argument and 
you either change the equipment, you change the golf courses, which is a lot harder. Uh, and I thought maybe the easy, if you really wanted to change distance or at least whatever, I thought that uh, you, you change the golf ball first and only because, so football, you've got uh, one ball pretty much. I know uh, different, I think kickers have a different ball, stuff like that, but it's pretty much the same ball. Basketball, same ball. Baseball, same ball, stuff like that. And in golf, there's probably, if you go on tour, there's probably five, six, or seven golf ball brands that people use. And in those same brands, there's probably 20 different variations of that golf ball. Like the Tideless Pro V1 and Pro V1X. I play the Tideless Pro V1. So that's two golf ball types, but they also have about 10 different others that do different things. So people can test and, you know, mess around and, and really get the perfect ball for them, which is good, but it's also, I mean, I think if you just have a standardized golf ball, that puts everybody on a level playing field. Well, I read that tweet and I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I don't want to change your mind. Cause it, it made me think of two things in other sports, the Tom Brady deflate gate situation. Yep. I was like, that was a huge deal. He changed the ball. He should have gotten in trouble. Fair enough. And then this past summer, which me and Dylan talked about at a ton with mob Rob Manfred baseball, just being idiots and you having two different balls for like big time matchups and like the crappy games in their mind. They're like, Oh, when it's a bad game, we're going to give them a ball that can't go out the park. Whereas <laughs> the game in Iowa, we're going to give them a ball that's going to be in the outfield every other play. Like it's crazy stuff. It makes no sense. There should be one ball. Let's play the sport. Whoever's best wins. It doesn't matter what ball you have. See, I, I am very much on your side. Not going to try to change it at all. Well, thank you. Of course. I, I see a middle ground because, uh, like, on the same token, we also see like the, the, the too much of the policing of the the pitchers doctoring the balls and stuff like that. Uh, it can go too far at some points, but at the same time, there's a reason why those rules are in place. It's we don't want pitchers pitchers don't get their own balls when they come in to to pitch against players. There, there's a reason for that. So I'm I'm in agreement with you as well on that. You, you, I mentioned at the beginning, you've mentioned a few times you're on the PGA Latino America tour uh, from someone outside of golf, not very familiar with the PGA tour. Just give an explanation of what that is and what, what you do uh, on that. Yeah, essentially it's just the PGA tour for Latin America, South America. And um, it's a, what they would consider a developmental tour. It's, you know, you've got the PGA tour corn Ferry, and then you've got PGA tour Latin America, uh, PGA tour Canada. And then they did have PGA tour China until a, pandemic happened um but yeah that's just when i say pj tour latin america that's just where i play um down in south america so what's that like like getting to travel to like different countries and stuff in south america i imagine that has to be really cool it's very cool very very cool yeah it's a little stressful at times because you know you're a long way from home travels you know it's not like you're hopping on an american airlines flight to you know dallas to miami or something like that, but it is, it is so cool that I, the, um, seeing those different cultures down there is really neat. Like in I can sport. imagine how, how has COVID affected it? I imagine quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been, it's affected it a lot, but luckily it's mainly affected the, um, the timing of, of events. I know like when I first got status in 2020, uh, they had a full schedule laid out and then obviously COVID happened and, they had to either cancel or move a bunch of events. So a lot of events fell on weeks that they weren't really planned. And so there's, I, I feel like the, the best way to travel down to Latin America is, is be really uh, on top of your travel and, and like your schedule and schedule it far in advance. 
And, um, you know, there's a little bit more thinking on your feet the last couple of years with the stuff, but it's been fun. What's the coolest place you've got to visit? Hmm. I would say um, that's probably a toss up between Quito, Ecuador and Buenos Aires, Argentina. Okay. That I will take your word. I've never been to either. And I, I know Argentina, I've um, with watching like international soccer and stuff. I've seen quite a bit of Argentina through that. And that seems awesome. Ecuador, I don't know a ton about. So I'll take your word. They both, they, they seem like they would be great places to visit. Quito was like, uh, I think almost double the elevation of Denver. Um, I had a Holy cow. I had a caddy that week and we were walking up like the 18th fairway, which is kind of a, a decent hill. And I'm talking, I'm, I was gassed. And he, my caddy was just trucking up on the hill. And I was like, dude, you got to slow down. Like, I need to catch my breath. I'm from Texas. Like, let's calm down, man. I know, Kenny. Like, I'm in pretty good shape. But, wow. I'm like, I need a minute. Yeah, I can only imagine those types of uh, places like that can only be, you know, so different, but so, such an interesting experience. That kind of builds off into my last question. It's just, have you had any of those, like, oh, crap, I've really made it moments in like professional golf like oh i'm here i'm gonna say no necessarily because um i mean my ultimate goal is to be on the pga tour and ultimately be number one in the world that's why i play the game um that's why i got into the game that's why you know that's why you try to get better right you want to be the number one player in the world so um but there has been really cool moments on, on the on the tour like in december i played the argentine open in buenos aires and that was a really cool event. I think it's like the third or fourth or maybe fifth oldest tournament in the world. Um, it's the largest tournament in Latin America. It was really neat. They had, I think Visa and maybe Motorola was like big sponsors, but they had like hospitality tents set up everywhere. A lot of infrastructure around the event. And it really felt like a, like a big tour event. And that was really neat to see. Um, that was fun. But so, yeah, that's probably the coolest event that I've played so far as far as like the, the scope of it. But yeah. All right, Dylan, do you have any more questions for Garrett before we let him go? I'll go with one final one that I'm just curious of. When we first hopped on this Zoom, uh, we talked a little bit about the weather and how it's kind of a day we got to stay inside. Um, recently, I've played quite a bit of 2K uh, golf. I, I think it's PGA 2K, whatever the title is. Yeah. And I have a ton of fun playing it. I'm just curious, do you hop on there and play as like, because you create yourself is what you do. You right. create Garrett May and just tear it up. I haven't done that yet. I was a little late to the game with the 2K uh, golf, but I do really, I went through a, probably a month period where I was really into uh, designing the golf courses on there, going like course designer or whatever. That was pretty neat. I've got a couple of courses in the tunnel that uh, I'm working on that are going to be pretty sweet. That game is a blast. And like I said earlier, I am awful at golf. Like I like a trend, uh, atrocious, a tr- whatever word you want to use to describe my golf game awful but boy oh boy you get me on 2k tiger woods better watch out because i'm a problem i can only imagine modeling my game after garrett may oh man garrett thank you so much for sitting down with us and chatting with us uh it's been a pleasure uh and we wish you a ton of luck we're going to be rooting for you as uh as you move on with your career and on the tour in the pga latin america thanks guys i really enjoyed this thanks for having me on yeah no problem sick them sick them bears (laughs) All right. Thanks, Garrett, for sitting down with us. Awesome interview. I had a lot of fun talking with him. It's time for Guess Who again, everyone's favorite guessing game. Uh, This week, 
with the confirmation of Tom Brady's retirement from football, we thought it was only right to make this week's game surrounding him. So our pool of players will be Brady's teammates from his seven Super Bowl wins, six in New England and one in Tampa. Dylan's got the coin uh, ready for us. It's a different coin. It's a half dollar. A half dollar, not a quarter. Who is on the half dollar? I don't know. Is that Eisenhower? It might be Eisenhower. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's Eisenhower. We might be looking really dumb. I'm going. Do want? I'm going tails. Oh boy! I think that's Dwight D Eisenhower. I so, think that's his name. Boy, oh boy! I'm probably looking dumb. <laughs> I don't know if everyone else still uses TimeHop, the app TimeHop, to like go through their old social media posts. On about like four or five years ago today, Devin Bush, a former Michigan linebacker and current Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker, tweeted, "I just gotta get something off my chest." You never pick heads in the opening in the opening coin toss, and so I, I, had to, I had to go with him, and he he let me down. Uh, do you want always go heads? Okay. Um, you go first. I'll go first. Okay, let me get the roster. I got the rosters up again. Seven rosters to to pick through, and I'll see if I can't uh, figure out a decent enough strategy to guess. Uh, let me get. I'm gonna do the timer. All right, you ready? Yes. All right. I'm so ready. Two, one. Did he play in New England? Yes. Okay. Uh, that narrows it down. Prior to uh, 2010. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 2004. No. 2003. Yes. Okay. Uh, offense. No. Defense. No. Special teams. Yes. Kicker. No. Punter. No. Long snapper. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Uh so Lonnie Paxton? Nope. Oh, well then I have no uh then let me keep going. There's another long snapper on the 2003 team. They had another There's three of them. Brian Kinchin? Yep. Ah, oh, let's go. Ten seconds to spare. Thank God. So I Brian Kinchin got my nod because I was sitting on the toilet yesterday trying to think of a player and I was on TikTok and I found I came across a TikTok talking about Tom Brady's unspoken hero of his career and they said it was Brian Kinchin who came out of retirement in 2003 after being a uh, seventh grade teacher for three years after retiring in 2000 with the Carolina Panthers. Kinchin came in to play in the playoffs after both long snappers went down. Uh, he was terrible. Through the playoffs. And uh, in the Super Bowl, nine seconds left, he came out to uh, snap the ball. On the day of the Super Bowl, uh, cut his finger with a steak knife at, like, the pregame dinner. Uh, So lacerated finger and all, went out there to snap the ball for Adam Vinatieri to go down uh, forever famous, and Tom Brady gets his ring. But, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Had no idea who he was. I was like, I'm going with him. I can't believe I got that. If I can get the 2003 long snapper, uh, or not even because I was looking at the final rosters for everyone. Thankfully, I have Wikipedia up, which has a week one roster also. So, like, <laughs> I just happened to find that. Oh, my God. That was lucky. Uh, all right. Are you ready to go? <laughs> I guess. All right. Here we go. Starting my timer. Is he a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? He is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. There we go. Um, is he an offensive player? No. 
Oh, I thought it was Blaine Gabbert. Um, defensive player. Yes. Defensive player. It's Vita Vea. No. It's Devin White. No. It's Sean Murphy Bunting. It is Sean Murphy Bunting. Boom. I. Twenty Murphy. seconds. Boom, boom, boom. Central Michigan Chippewa. Is a Central Michigan Chippewa, and that's really the only reason he was on the. He, there we go. He was in Mount Pleasant at the same time I was. I had to. So and, and so. I do have a little bit more story of this. So my initial pick was Ty Law, who was, he was. That's the first person I thought of <laughs> was Ty Law. So I had initially had Ty Law. And uh, so he was a Michigan corner back in the day and then ended up playing it with Brady in New England. And I thought it was so amazing to think that like Tom Brady had players on Michigan's national championship team on his team. And also people who went to school at the same time I did. Like he, like Sean Me for Bunting was at Mount, in Mount Pleasant at the same time I was. And Ty Law was on Michigan's national championship team. So like that does blows my mind, the longevity of that man. Tom Brady could have been Tristan Werfer's dad. <laughs> and that was his left tackle for his last two seasons. That's insane. That stuff doesn't make any sense. The only person that's going to like live up to that is LeBron with like, I think Brownie's going to play like four or five seasons in the league. This is going away from the Tom Brady stuff, but I have to mention this because it just came up in my head. Did you see the trademarks that Brownie filed for yesterday? I did. I did. Because one of them was Bronald. And everybody was like, what is this all about? It's LaMickey and Bronald. And that's amazing. I like chef's kiss to Bronnie James. Cause that's awesome. Bronald was uh, to see that trending on Twitter yesterday and without context was amazing. And then fine. <laughs> I don't even want to. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's a topic for another day, but fun. Guess who stuff as always uh, happy. No buzzer beaters this week. Two and O oh, both of us. Yeah. Two and O oh, uh, no buzzer beaters this week. No reviews that have to go down. Uh, happy, happy to have it. Uh, Wish Tom Brady luck in future. We'll stick with the Tom Brady stuff as Q&A gets uh, going here. Uh, although somewhat expected with the chatter around his final game, I think it was also really shocking once Tom Brady did officially, once Schefter announced uh, or reported that Tom Brady was retiring and then uh, Brady ended up confirming it. Uh, my question surrounds around Brady and just his moments, you know, he's been in the league for so long. He's had so many moments and obviously you didn't grow up a Brady fan, but you've talked about how much you've grown to respect him. And throughout the years, do you have a favorite Tom Brady moment uh, from his career that sticks out in your mind? Yes. And like you said, I grew up a Tom Brady hater, no doubt in my mind. I got on the right side of history. Uh, let's look uh, two years ago when he left new England, he left the empire. He decided not to be Darth Vader. He decided to be a good guy. And I was like, Hey, good for this guy. And I, I got to appreciate his game when he played for a Tampa Bay team that literally no one has any ill will towards. Like I, I don't think anyone really is like, Oh, I hate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You just can't do that. They're not uh, like no offense to Tampa Bay. They're just not at that like evil empire realm of some other teams. But my favorite Brady memory, no doubt in my mind, 2019 divisional round in New England against the Tennessee Titans, his last game as a New England Patriot, and the Titans whooped his ass. 
It was awesome. I sat there in Murray, Kentucky, and loved every second of it. And it is no doubt my favorite memory of Tom Brady's career. I know that's kind of ill-willed toward Tom, but for a majority of my life, Tom Brady was the most evil man alive. And there's been a lot of evil people alive in my 24 years on earth. But Tom Brady was the worst, and I was taught that from a young age. So when the Tennessee Titans, that ragtag group of group of fellas led by Mike Rabel, a p- guy that played with Tom Brady, caught 10 touchdown passes from Tom Brady, was part of Bill Belichick's coaching tree, went in there, and they played New England Patriots-style football and beat Tom Brady. That was just awesome. It ended the Patriots dynasty. Patriots fans might not want to hear that, but they it did. Tom Brady left New England two months later, and it was all over. And for the Titans to get to do that, it's something people don't talk about enough, and they should. But to be fair, Brady did a lot of other things than just lose to the Titans. He beat the Titans quite a bit. Uh, whenever I think about Tom Brady, which a lot of people probably don't think this, but it's what I think about in my head. Uh, it's flashing back. It would have been 2000. It was the year Randy Moss was on the Patriots. 2007 or 2008. One of the 07, I believe. Yeah, um, I think it was 07. It was a snow game. And I don't know if it was in Nashville or New England. Probably New England um, because it was a lot of snow. And they went out there and scored like 50 points on the Titans. And I remember the Titans were in the Oiler jerseys and the Patriots were in their throwback jerseys. And they went out there and it was Randy Moss and Tom Brady and just put on a show against, I believe, Kerry Collins and the Titans. But that has always been like uh, the thing that comes to my – I just remember the game coming on CBS and like they're hyping it up like it's going to be a close game. And Tom Brady and the boys just went out there and dominated in the snow. And I feel like anytime the Titans play in the snow, they get dominated. It's because of what Tom Brady did that day. But, uh, yeah, I'll be fair and give him that to go along with the Titans ending his dynasty in New England. Uh, what's your favorite Tom Brady memory? So my cheat memory is, like, not even a memory of mine or a memory of Tom Brady's. It's the national championship of, of Michigan's, which he wasn't really a big part of. But he was there. So that's really my favorite memory. But of – the true memories of Brady as the GOAT and as of Brady in the NFL. Uh, the 28 to 3 comeback obviously sticks out in everyone's mind, and I think it's a lot of people's favorite memory. I think my favorite memory is actually just not even him playing, it's his reaction to Malcolm Butler's interception against the Seahawks in uh, Super Bowl 49 because that game, it was like the first time the game was out of Brady's control. It was like most of the time it's like, all right, Brady's got it at the end and then he's going to give it over to Vinatieri to kick the winning field goal or something like that. They're going to blow out another team, whatever it may be. It was on his defense and they were giving it up. I mean, they were, they had basically given it up with that deep ball. Uh, And then Malcolm Butler comes away with that interception and you could just see the joy on his face. And it was like, uh, it, it felt different. You know, they showed the reactions of everyone else. And it was like, Brady was just a different, reaction because it was like all right we did it again we finally ended this drought and we've done it again and we can really say that we're champions again so uh there's so much to pick from from brady's career obviously uh and so many great memories uh from the goat i think the seahawks are mine so i found the box score from the 2008 game titans versus patriots i was wrong the titans were bad that year they were 0-5 coming into this one in new england a snow game I got to read the box score because this is unreal. 59 to nothing final score. Tom Brady, 29 of 34, 380 yards, six touchdowns. Lawrence Maroney had 123 yards on the ground. 
Wes Wilker caught 10 balls for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Randy Moss caught eight balls for 129 yards and three touchdowns. And then you go on the other side, the Tennessee Titans. The passing leader was Vince Young, who was 0 of 2 on the day with an interception. That was the Titans passing leader. They didn't have a single passing yard. T- to be fair, they had negative seven. Kerry Collins finished with negative seven passing yards. Chris Johnson did CJ2K things. He had 128 yards. This might be my new favorite thing. Let's do pass box scores every once in a while because this is fun looking back because, oh, my goodness, this is an all-time just butt-kicking that the Patriots put on them, 59 to nothing. And, you like, it's not like like it just like the backups were scoring touchdowns. Tom Brady threw a fourth-quarter touchdown to Brandy Boss that made it 52 to nothing. Like, that was like they were deliberately like, we're just going to put you into the ground. Respect. Because that the 2008 Patriots were like one of the most fun teams ever. That 08, 07, those two years, so much fun. They were so good. They were the most evil people alive. I I wish we could go back to like rooting against that team. Because it's like when we were young, I don't know. So many good memories of that. But yeah, the Titans ended the dynasty. I'll leave it there. Yeah, when they added Randy Moss to that team, that was that was stupid. But yeah, if we're gonna do that new type of uh, box score type thing uh, next week, I would love to do the Lions versus Jets that Monday night game where Sam Darnold tore us up for like four touchdowns or something like that. And they was were it his debut. The first game. Yeah. yeah. And threw a, threw a pick six to start the game, then tore us up the rest of the night. I yeah. Because like- they talked about him being like Brett Favre. Cause like Brett Favre's first career attempt was the pick six. Yeah. He looked like we made him look like an absolute, superstar and then the jets were terrible and the lions were even worse so uh on to your question i'm excited to get into it as well oh yeah sorry (laughs) um for my question i have uh something that's on twitter and i wish i would have like liked the tweet or something but it was a very cool question posed uh by someone and i hope i can find it so we can like uh throw it up here but um there's a conversation that I saw a lot of people having on my timeline. Is it more important to have an elite quarterback in the NFL or a star slash elite player in the NBA when it comes to just overall team success or championships? And I'll throw it to you first to see your opinion. So this is an interesting question. The more I thought about it, it's actually more interesting from like the Detroit perspective because uh, in the NBA, Detroit was really the last team that won a championship without a, a superstar. They were the last, the 04 team was the last team without I think a first team all NBA guy on their team that that's the last time that's happened. Uh, and then in Detroit, obviously we spent many, many years with Matthew, Matthew Stafford, not being elite. Um, so I, I have an interesting perspective on it. I think in today's game and today's NFL and NBA, I do think the elite player in the NBA is more important just because we've seen more non elite quarterbacks do it and it's not not easy obviously you know you have to be a Baltimore Ravens type defense to have a Trent Dilfer win and win a Super Bowl but it's happened before there's there's formulas to do it you have to have a a super elite defense or a super elite other type thing but it's happened the last I mean it's been since 2004 that we've seen a a team like the Detroit Pistons go and, and run the run the table and Really, we haven't seen a team really even get close to that since then uh, that really looks anything like that. And if you look at the teams that are competitive in the NBA, all of them have a, a superstar on their team. It's it's not even close. And 
I think you've seen it firsthand with Memphis, uh, the, the jump that that Memphis team has taken with John Morant. I mean, it's, it's night and day. And, you know, I've, you know, at the same time, I see, you know, the Pistons haven't really taken that jump where I think Cade might be a superstar, but he, they really haven't taken that jump yet. I, and, but it, 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 I do think there's so many good, good to, I don't want to say good to great players in the league, but there's so many just almost elite players in the NBA that you can almost get there uh, and you can build that team, but you need that elite player. There has to be that one guy that like you can turn to in those elite, in those moments. Uh, Every team has had one and every, every finals winning team has had like that one guy. I mean, it's been Giannis, it's been LeBron, it's been KD, it's been Steph. it really does take not just an elite player in the NBA, but like an elite elite player. And then a couple elite players around him usually. Uh, so I, I do think it is more important just because on top of that, like I said, we've seen it in the NFL happen before those not great quarterbacks run the table. I, it's definitely getting harder and harder both ways to do it without the elite quarterback or the elite player in the NBA. But I do think it's just a bit more important right now to have that, that go-to guy on your basketball team rather than uh, in in football, because there's just so much more. There's 22 guys in football uh, and it makes a bigger difference, but I'd like to hear your opinion on it as well. So like gun on my hip, have to make a decision. I was like NBA. I was like, I think that's what it is. Like just thinking like recent history, the more I thought about it, and especially thinking about like the two teams I've really followed the past couple of years, the Tennessee Titans and the Memphis Grizzlies, it kind of, um, help shape my decision. Um, the Titans have, in my opinion, a top five roster in the NFL. The Grizzlies, they might have the most balanced roster in the NBA. I mean, that top to bottom, the Grizzlies are incredible. They have a really, really good roster. Like Even like, Ja wasn't great on Wednesday at the Garden. I mean, it was like 9 of 27 from the field for 23 points. That's not great. Like, that's not what you're looking for out of a star player. He he got the points, of course. But, I mean, they had guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. stepped up in a huge way. had a double-double. Zaire Williams, a rookie out of Stanford, the 10th pick, who, who started the year really shaky. Career-high game on the biggest stage in the NBA, Madison Square Garden, 21 points. I mean, those kind of performances are huge, especially when you're playing a top-five defense like the New York Knicks. I mean, those are big things. Uh, to get out of your uh, roster when Josh struggles, Desmond Bain struggles. That's, that's huge to get. Um, and the Titans, they, when you're looking at compared to the Grizzlies and Titans, the Titans were held back by one player. The Grizzlies, even though one player struggled, it didn't hold them back in a game like Wednesday night. Of course, that's not a playoff scenario. And the NBA is a lot different where one game isn't as microscoped as, and as important as football. But when you really look at it, I think if you roll out maybe any other quarterback in the NFL in that game against the Bengals, the Titans might have won. Ryan Tannehill, I really like Tannehill. And Tannehill's done a lot of really good things in Tennessee. But I don't like pinning a loss on a player. But some of those reads he made, some of the plays he made, I mean, he kind of lost that game against the Bengals. The, the Titans' defense did everything they could to win. A.J. Brown did everything he could do. I mean, Derrick Henry came back after being out for like nine weeks and ran for 60 yards. Donta Foreman added another 60 yards on the ground. I mean, they were doing everything they could, but it seemed like every time they got momentum, Tannehill threw a pick. I mean, he started the game with a pick. They got down there in the uh, red zone, pick. Uh, at the end of the game, when they could have gone to overtime, pick on a terrible read. I mean, that's nothing but a terrible read. 
Tannehill struggled, and that I, I really think that led to the Titans losing that playoff game. And that's that's kind of formed my argument here of I think the starting quarterback's more important. And you look at the previous Super Bowl winners, it's Tom Brady, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's I mean Nick Foles won the Super Bowl over Tom Brady, but I think that's an outlier. And I think that's what you find to see when you look at all these Super Bowl winners. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, all these elite Hall of Fame quarterbacks are the ones getting it done. And you've got like Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl as his last game of his career. Yeah, he struggled, but that's Peyton Manning. That's not so. That's not Trent Dilfer, who I think is an outlier. Nick Foles is an outlier, and I think that's what you come to see. And these elite quarterbacks, they bring their teams up. Joe Burrow is an elite quarterback and has brought that Bengals squad up around him. Um, Matthew Stafford, look what he's done. He's elevated this Rams squad, who is they are littered with Hall of Fames all around him, all around them. I think. The Titans and 49ers are two teams that would very much side with me on this argument where if they had elite quarterbacks, they'd maybe be playing next Sunday in the Super Bowl. Because if the, the 49ers had someone not named Jimmy G, they might be in the Super Bowl. If the Titans had someone not named Ryan Tannehill, Bond Center, they might be in the Super Bowl. I think this is a very hard argument, but I'm going to side with an elite quarterback because uh, I've seen what an elite players can do in the NBA, but I think there's a lot more elite players in the NBA because that spreads out between all positions, whereas quarterback, there's only one of them. And there's only so many good ones. So I think I think that's why I'm going to go with an elite quarterback is more important. Touched on a couple of things that I think do back up my argument, though, is like, well, one, Matthew Stafford. Uh, one of the things is like, I, I, I think I built my argument a bit more of like, what is easier to build your team around? Is it an elite quarterback or is it an elite player in the NBA? And I think you can start from ground level and go, I'll start with my elite player in the NBA and build my team around that versus the quarterback, because it takes so much time to build that roster around them. By the time you get a decent enough roster, you're going to have to pay that quarterback. You're going to have to pay him like top dollar and usually the, the biggest contract in the league. And that's what happened with Matthew Stafford in Detroit. And we got bogged down with all of the salary cap issues that we can't we can't go out and give him a competitive team because we don't have the money to because we paid him so much money where the NBA doesn't have that same problem. Obviously, the cap issues are not the same in in the NBA. And on top of that, uh, the NFL has had more of those outliers like you talked about Nick Foles, you talked Trent Dilfer is one. I mean, the Pistons and the Pistons really just twice like the 04 Pistons and the uh, the bad boy era Pistons are the only ones without first team NBA guys on their teams. And, and the Pistons, the bad boy Pistons still had Isaiah Thomas, who's like a hall of famer and all time guy. And the Pistons, you know, Ben Wallace is a hall of famer. Technically. I, I think that was a stretch. And I think that was more of a retroactive. They won the, the title. He was one of the best players on that team. And that's why he's in the hall of fame now, but it's really just that team. And it took such a special, like, mix of guys to do that like it took like the perfect mix of Chauncey was a great shooter but also could 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 dish the ball Rip Hamilton was the perfect shooting guard Tayshaun Prince and they all had this defensive ability that made them so special and their bench was really good too so it, it was it takes a very special group in the NBA and that's a lot harder to build without that elite talent around them and I think it's impossible nowadays I don't think you can really do it like the Pistons couldn't replicate that because it takes a guy like LeBron or KD to get those types of role players to play in a place like Detroit or anywhere, really. Like they've got to want, they've got to see that way to win a title. And I don't see them going anywhere without a star player already on that roster anymore. So that's where I think the NBA does have that little bit of a gap where 
I, I do think it's really close. We've just seen enough. I just think we've seen enough NFL, you know, borderline quarterbacks win Super Bowls that I can say, well, there is a route. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy, but it's like there's a route somewhere for non-elite quarterbacks to make it. Um, but at the same time, I see your argument where I, I think the Titans with just like a minor upgrade at quarterback win that win that game and they're playing in the Super Bowl right now. So, Yeah, and I just thinking to strengthen your argument, you look at a team like the Toronto Raptors who were so good at the beginning of the 2010s. They went out, they trade a key piece of that team, DeMar DeRozan, to San Antonio, get Kawhi, a superstar, boom, championship, over the modern dynasty in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors. Of course, they were banged up, but they still won. They brought their first championship in team history. And I, I think that creates a, or brings a great point to your argument. So I don't know. I think I think it's tough, but and I think it can go either way, and I think it's really tight, uh, whichever way you want to go, because they're both so important to either side. Yeah, and we'll see this weekend too, because uh, like you said, like the Rams have benefited from Stafford, but the Rams also went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Obviously, they didn't win that game, but like Stafford and, and Goff they sucked. Stafford, <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you can say Stafford and Goff are nearly at the same talent level, and I can I can fully see that. But though, if they if they both get to the same level and then lose the Super Bowl, it's like almost like okay, the, the quarterback really didn't matter in that situation. It was really just you know who they were facing and so but uh awesome stuff love the q a stuff as always we'll get into this week in sports uh a lot of football stuff to get into we've got three minor topics to get into after the fact and we'll touch on what we want to touch on there but the first one we both had to get our say in because the washington football team finally announced their brand new name and it's terrible the washington commanders is the new name of the Washington football team. It leaked about a month ago, and I did not think that, that they would stick with that, uh, but they did. And now we, instead of what I think we both thought was a kind of a cool name in Washington football team, a unique United States sports type thing, is now one of probably the worst names, I think, in, in all of professional sports. But Dylan, I'll give it to you. Uh, what's your take on the new, the new name? It's so frustrating. And I know, like, it's something, like, you shouldn't get worked up if you're not a fan. But it's just, like, you had so many options. You had so much time. And it just felt like they went with just a lazy option. It seems like they didn't think about it, really. Like, I've seen a lot of people saying uh, they, like, forgot to do their homework, so they copied something. Because there's, like, commanders in the uh, XFL. Like, they stole the team hashtag, stole the name, all that. And it's like, I don't know if they did that. But <laughs> you could convince me. Um, like especially with the leadership in Washington, there's woo. Um, but that it just it's really disappointing because, like you said, the Washington football team, I kind of come to like it, and it's like, yeah, it's unique, it's something like we don't have in American sports. Um, and they they knew, especially with that team and all the controversy that they've had with their name, that all eyes would be on it. And for first for it to be leaked, how how do you get that leaked? And then when it does get leaked and you see the response and you're not like, oh, let's change it again. You can do that. Like, that is okay. And they're, they're just so, like, stubborn that they're like, no, that's our name. We're the commanders. And I just – I've been talking about this with my stepfather. Like, every time I see him for the past two years, I'm like, what do you think they're going to do? And, like, he's a history buff. So he was big on – he thought they would do this and – I Scott's too pure of a man. They were never going to do this because Dan Snyder sucks. He wanted them to name to rename to the Red Tails 
to honor the ski airmen. I was like, that's perfect. Especially with the history of that, that franchise and all the things they've done to get on the good side of history, honor something good in American history, which in this nation's capital, it's perfect. You keep the red part of the name. I, it seemed perfect. If you didn't want to do that and you wanted to veer off the red wolves is what every Washington fan wanted. It's a awesome name. And they're just like, no, we're going to go with the commanders. We're going to join the other teams in Washington with boring names, the capitals and the nationals and the commanders. And then the wizards are over there having fun. Be like the wizards, have some fun. I just don't get it. I don't like Dan Snyder. I want to like the Washington football team so much. And I'm going to keep calling them that they're the Washington football team. I want to like them so much because they're a fun, plucky underdog in the NFC East. But Dan Snyder makes it so hard. I it's frustrating. We've had two teams change their names in our in our recent time with Cleveland going to the Guardians and Washington going to the Commanders, and they both suck. And both of the announcements have been met with just like total backlash. It's like, oh, we're going to name them after these statues in Cleveland, which nobody knew were named Guardians. And now we're going to go with the Commanders, which we have the soundbite of Chase Young telling telling a reporter that it was an F grade. That was the worst name that he had heard of all the names that they had been throwing out there, that the Commanders was an F grade. And like you said, it gets leaked. You see the backlash on social media. Like that just shows you like that PR department just like his – has no say in this it obviously hasn't like been able to do anything in a while because like you see that and you haven't announced it yet and you have a chance to actually change it before you and it's like nope we're just gonna stick with the commanders we've got all this stuff printed out already we might as well uh i don't know maybe it'll end up growing on people like you said the wizards i know the wizards was like a not liked name when it was announced it's not a good name but it's fun but yeah i i think it's grown on People that have grown up in the NBA without a Washington Bullets and now just know them as the Wizards, it's just, you know, it's normal. And we just know them as the Wizards. That's now. that team John Wall played for. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they have like throwback jerseys. Those those John Wall jerseys are not the John Wall jerseys, the Gilbert Arenas jerseys. Back the Michael the Jordan jerseys. Yeah. Those are <laughs> those are really nice. No, those gold, you know, those gold and black ones. That Gilbert oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, like, Gilbert or yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those were really nice. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like with the black shorts. Yes. Yeah, yeah those are sick. Shirt. Yeah, those are awesome. Yeah. And that's the thing. Maybe it'll grow on people. I know it like was like the the Terry McLaurin jersey and the Chase Young jersey were like very high sellers on Fanatics this weekend. So, uh, well. It's the Washington football team. They're like the most popular team in the league. Of course they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I hate the name. I think it'll end up growing on people and we'll just forget that it ever happened. But like you had a real chance to do something cool. Like that's like the that's the point. It's like there's so many teams where it's like you you're never gonna change the name. You you can never change the name because it's so historic. Uh, and they were one of those teams for so long, and you've got a chance to now flip the script and do something cool with it. And you did the most boring, you chose the most boring name and probably the worst name that you could have chosen. It sounds like a team from a movie where they couldn't afford the rights to the NFL. So like, yep, there's a Troy, Nebraska from the university of Texas it he's gonna go he got drafted first overall by the washington commanders he's gonna be a stud in our nation's capital it sounds like they made it up in a movie a bad like lifetime movie like that's it's just disappointing 
Yeah, no, it sounds like the the rival team in any in any football movie. They should have just went with the Washington Generals. Just go, just pay the team that plays the Harlem Globetrotters with however much money they want. That would have been funny, at least. Everyone would have got a kick out of it. But that that Washington fan base deserves better because for how bad they've been for ever since they won those Super Bowls, they just deserve so much better because they are so loyal. They show up and they show out and they just constantly get pooped on by Dan Snyder and that leadership group in Washington. And that's disappointing. Yeah, it's a brutal, brutal name, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Washington fans, if you have any thoughts, please let us know on social media because uh, we're, we're as invested in it as you guys seem to be. So uh, we'll get on to the, the other topics in football this week. It was a wild week in football, whether it be the playoffs whether it be Brady retiring or whether it be the Harbaugh news uh, of him take seemingly going to take the Minnesota job, then not taking the Minnesota job. Now uh, Rams offensive coordinator O'Connell is uh, seemingly going to take the Minnesota job after the Super Bowl is over. But Dylan, just whatever you want to touch on in that, the Brady news, the Harbaugh news, the playoffs in review, whatever you'd like to go on. So on Saturday, we learned that Tom Brady was going to retire, but then they're like, no, he's not, which was a lot of fun to experience at like a sporting event. Cause I was at the Murray state game when the news came out and everybody's like, Holy cow, Tom Brady's done. Like half the people in the audience were like reevaluating their life. They're like, Whoa, I don't know what to do now. Like Tom Brady's always been like the man in the NFL. And that's kind of how I felt. And then like 20 minutes later, they were like, JK, he's not retired. And I was like, whoa, Tom Brady's not retired. All right, he's back. Like, he's going to run it back. Like, cool. And then A.J. Brown was, like, trying to recruit Tom Brady to the Titans. I was like, whoa, Tom Brady's going to be a Titan? Like, what's happening here? Like, I'm, I'm for it. Um, but then it came out Monday that he is retiring, which was like, yeah, we, we figured. Uh, we we kind of knew. But uh, Tom had to get the announcement on his Instagram. And it was really funny with how New England fans reacted. It's like, he didn't mention us. Why Why didn't he mention us? And Patriot fans just need to get over themselves. It's not all about you. Uh, Tom ended up on Twitter like, thanks, Pats Nation. Couldn't have done it without you, whatever, to just kind of stay face with uh, New England. But that I that was awesome. Just the whole saga with Tom Brady for like three days. It's like, is he or isn't he retired? What's happening? Um, the Harbaugh stuff. I've said, like, if Harbaugh can get an NFL job, he should go for it. Like, I, I get it. Minnesota didn't make a lot of sense for me in my head. So I was like, that's a team that, like, they need to hire a offensive mind that, like, just wants to, like, score a million points. And, like, with that offense, they have, like, trade Kirk Cousins and get another quarterback in there and play modern-style football, Justin Jefferson Dalvin Cook, and just put up a million points. It seems like they can do that. So I was like, I don't know if Harbaugh's the guy to do that. Um, I think this opens up other opportunities for Harbaugh. Uh, the one that makes sense in my head the most is Miami, which is not going to happen because the owner went to Michigan. Is that right? And he said, like, I want him to stay at Michigan. Yeah, he's an alum. He gives – he gives – he's, like, one of Michigan's biggest donors as well. Yeah. And I feel like the team Miami has makes the most sense with Harbaugh. Like, it feels like he could go in there and win, but it's not going to happen because of the Michigan ties, which seems like it should work, but it won't. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's turned into like Harbaugh would be a slam dunk to go to the NFL. So I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know with what team remaining makes sense. Um, but yeah, I just, the Minnesota thing, when it was rumored, I was like, I, I just don't see it. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't like it for either party. I, I didn't think it was a, uh, 
a um, winning formula for either side. And then with the conference championships, I thought they were both awesome. The I I just didn't think Cincinnati was going to be able to get it done against Kansas City, and they did. Joe Burrow said he's been in louder stadiums in the SEC, went into Arrowhead and got it done. Evan McPherson, an SEC boy, he's the one that delivered the game-winning kick, and he's done it so many times this season, and they just keep doing it. Um, so they're headed to the Super Bowl, which was something that literally no one would have thought. I didn't think it when I was sitting in Paul Brown Stadium week one. I didn't think there was a chance the Cincinnati Bengals would be going to the Super Bowl. And now a lot of people think they're going to win it. And that's really neat. And I, uh, as soon as they won that game, I text my friends and I was like, hey, we're going to be in Cincinnati for the Super Bowl. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. I, Friday evening, February the 11th, I'm like, I'm leaving for Cincinnati. I want to be in that city for when they're playing in the Super Bowl and if they win because I've been there a few times haven't been there when they're playing for the Super Bowl because no one has for the past 31 years or whatever how long however long it's been um so I'm excited for that I that's a unique scenario where it's like they beat the Titans but also I get to be in the city of the team that's playing in the Super Bowl so that'll be neat um but then like the Rams 49ers I've been rooting for the 49ers all playoffs so I kind of got uh attached to them because Juwan Jennings my favorite probably my favorite Tennessee player ever has been on a tear since week 18 and the Rams are just better. You look at the Rams, they've got hall of famers everywhere and they, there was just too much talent. And I think the 49ers have such a good base. They just have to get a different quarterback. And I don't know if that's Trey Lance or what, but Jimmy G, I, I think he's done a really good job there. He's won a lot of games, but it's, I think Jimmy G should probably head back to new England, retire a Patriot, play out his career. However, that goes with him and Mac Jones, but that just seems how it should be. And the 49ers, they need to do everything they can to get Aaron Rodgers. Because that just – it seems like it would be the storybook ending to Aaron Rodgers' career. Go home to San Francisco. It would, it would stick the knife in Green Bay's back just a little bit more. That rivalry would heat up. Maybe get Devontae Adams down there too, and the 49ers would just become an amazing team. But uh, that might add a new uh, chapter to your 30 for 30 that you've been pitching since last August. If both of them, their last dance turns into a first dance in San Francisco. But yeah, lot, lots of fun stuff happening in football right now. Um, you tackle those topics however you see fit. Yeah, I'll kind of go in reverse order. Uh, I, I'm happy for Matthew Stafford. I've been a big doubter of Matthew Stafford for his whole career. But I, I as a Lions fan, I am happy for the dude. And uh, like you said, if – if, if Rodgers ends up in San Francisco, I'm thinking about that. Like, so like the Lions Packers rivalry was like nothing for the longest time. And then now they'll both go out to California and the Rams 49ers could be the greatest rivalry in the NFL. Uh, and it's basically the same, you know, green Bay lions thing that we had going on for the longest time. Um, uh, I'm rooting for the Bengals in this, in this Super Bowl. Uh, Joe Burrow is, and, and that team has just been so fun to watch. And I, I think, you know, you look at like the, di- the the difference between these two teams, the Rams, where I think are so talented and I think have, have been my favorites since basically since, since they got past Tom Brady and the Bucks, I think they've been the favorites in my mind because they've just got so much more talent than everyone else left in the playoffs. But at the same token, the Bengals just seem like they've got the it factor this year. They just seem to whatever it takes they can get past whoever it is and if they can beat the Chiefs I think they can beat the Rams I think they're they're so similar in teams that I think that if they have the defense to shut down the Chiefs for long enough they have the defense to shut down the Rams for long enough it's just going to come down to you know what happens in that game in the Super Bowl um with the Harbaugh stuff we we texted about it uh I didn't think it was a great fit in Minnesota either but it seemed like he was 
he was locked on going. And I think he thought he was going. I think that was the, the big deal was he thought that he had the job locked up because of his relationship with the GM. And that wasn't the case. He was just another candidate in the, in the scheme of the, what Minnesota was doing and where that broke down, whether Minnesota was offended that he thought he had the job locked up or whether he was offended that he didn't have the job locked up. That seems to be where it it broke down. Like they, they just weren't on the same page when it came to that. Uh, And Hey man, I'm happy because I do not think we were going to find a very good coach in, in this time in this time span I talked about it when Ryan Day was being rumored for the Bears jobs I was like I want that to happen because they're going to get hit trying to find a head coach in the worst time possible to try to find a head coach and that was almost us and it really was almost us last night and I thought it was going to be so I mean uh it's kind of going to be different now Uh, I don't know what that relationship's going to be like with Harbaugh and the administration and what that's all going to be like after he uh you know basically walked out the door and now is coming back almost like a Michael Scott type thing with uh, going to corporate and now he's coming back. Um, but I, you know, it, the big thing is like, we're not going to lose that, that momentum in recruiting that we just got from making the playoffs and stuff like that. It, it, we had a big jump. We had just taken a big step forward. And if we had lost Harbaugh in that situation, we would have taken all the, just a big step back. So I'm just happy in that regard that we didn't do that. And then the Brady stuff, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be weird to be an NFL fan without Tom Brady in the league because ever since I was a child, Tom Brady has been the, the one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So uh, it was a it was a wild few days when Schefter announced it, and I, I found it funny that Schefter kept the receipts of all the people that that tweeted about him, and he ended up liking all the tweets of people calling him out for that. Uh, I think Schefter just kind of solidified himself as like the premier journalist out there people were doubting him after the Aaron Rodgers stuff in the in the offseason and stuff like that uh he's got he's got something I don't know what it is but he's got some major sources and all this and he broke the Harbaugh stuff I I can't I don't even know he's got his he's got his finger on everything and uh good for good for ESPN good for Adam Schefter uh, but uh he's one of the big three uh of the the breaking source guys you got Woj, you got Schefter, you got shams that's that's the big three that i always keep on when it's like the heated season maybe i'll turn on like rapaport but right. like it's like it's gotta have like a b- bunch of news coming out but just like a normal day it's Schefter, it's shams and it's Woj. right and that's the thing it's like but like in the nba it's shams versus Woj, and like you could get one or the other and it's usually Woj, but shams has been making like that that those moves he's got some some good sources there Woj is lebron and shams is jabberan <laughs> but like Schefter and Rappaport it's not even a question it's like it's Schefter all day that's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers yeah uh but yeah happy for Tom happy he finally got that figured out and hey if he wants a, a spot in coaching at any time I'm sure Jim could uh find a spot in the staff uh up in Michigan and then get Tom into the coaching realm someday come be the QB coach for the Tennessee Titans and then you can come out of retirement no, I was thinking more like offensive coordinator at Michigan once Gaddis, once Josh Gaddis gets his head coach job somewhere. Or, or the University of Tennessee. You can come there. You guys will have Peyton at some, day, at some point. Probably not. Whenever Peyton shows up on campus, Tennessee loses. It's very sad. <laughs> at, some point he, at some point, he's got to break the curse, right? I don't think so. I the think- orange and white are cursed. <laughs> it's bad. 
Uh, well, I know all about that. I know all about that with the Lions, so I I feel for you. But it it, it might be a it's little fun worse. though. It's fun though. Yeah, it might be a little worse as a Lions fan, but it it you get to, you get to feel the empathy of every fan base out there. So that's that's just what it is being a Lions and Tennessee fan, I guess these days. Uh, that's gonna do it from the Dylan and Dylan Show. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Um, yes, uh, I had something I want to say, but I forgot. I should have wrote it down. I make that mistake every week. I never write down my final remarks. I'm always like, I want to say it on the spur of the moment, but now I forgot. Um, big weekend coming up from Murray State. They play our rivals, our cross-state rivals, Austin P. Thursday afternoon. Uh, yesterday, if you're listening when this comes out, at 4.30, the game got moved up from a nightcap to 4.30 because of weather, like we've talked about throughout the episode. Uh, it's a big game. If Murray can win this and then win on Saturday, I really think they've got a good shot of being ranked next week, which would be really cool. It'll be our first time in the polls since, I think, 2012. I'm not for sure about that. I think that was with Isaiah Cannon who made the polls in 2012. But, yeah, it's been a while, long time coming. John ja never made the polls. So, uh be neat to uh, creep back in the top 25. Prove everybody that John ja Morant wasn't the only thing Murray State had. And we've, we've got something special brewing uh, in our last season in OVC. Finished January undefeated in OVC play. Uh, lots, lots of good stuff cooking there. And trust me, if we stay undefeated, there's going to be a lot more Murray State talk. So just prepare for that. Yeah, excited for a fun weekend of sports. Kind of sad there's no football, but we'll live because we got a big game coming next week. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. All right, that'll do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan Show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan and Dylan Show. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore on TikTok and Twitter at underscore tv sports and on facebook and linkedin at tunnel vision sports and on the web at tv sports mag tv sports mag.com that'll do it from the dylan and dylan show stay safe out there uh and we will see you all next week have a good one